Hello and welcome to Day 3 Live, the live broadcast of Sunday morning service at Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. You can learn more about our ministry at day3church.org or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. Have you ever wondered what kind of impact one person can really make on the world? Do you struggle to know how you can really make a difference for the gospel in your current circumstances? Well, our current series is entitled Change. Will you let God use you to change your world? Please listen in as Pastor Lynn shares about the life of missionaries you may never have heard of and how their faithfulness made a significant change in their world. Here is Pastor Lynn. We're still in our series that we've uh, called Change. Uh, the, the real title is this, uh, Will We Let God Use Us? Will You Let God Use You to Change Your World? And in this series, we've been looking at uh, missionaries uh, at various times in history and how God used them to affect change in, in their world and hopefully allowing their stories to encourage us to be willing to do more ourselves in serving Christ and um, let him use us to, to change our, our world. Uh, today we're focusing on uh, a missionary by the name of uh, Eric Liddell. Uh, that's my redneck interpretation. Uh, he's from Scotland. Uh, our resident Scottish man back there said as little uh, in uh, everything, I think the way they, uh, the way they pronounce it and uh, everything. So you may have heard his name um, and you may not know why. Well, there's a movie made about him back in uh, 1982 uh, called Chariots of Fire. Uh, and the movie was about Eric Liddell. Uh, he was a missionary later on, but he grew up a missionary. He was born to missionary parents, Scottish missionary parents, uh, who were already living in China. He was born in China uh, and, and spent a lot of his time in China. Uh, but he was also a, a tremendous athlete. And that's what kind of the movie Chariots of Fire was uh, uh, mostly about. Uh, in 1924, I think it was, in the uh, Olympics at Paris, uh, he won the gold medal uh, for the 400-meter race. Uh, he was also known for being a, a really, really good uh, soccer player. So uh, uh, he had uh, that going on uh, in, in his life. That movie, by the way, uh, back in 1982, was nominated for seven Academy Awards, actually won four of them, including Best Picture. And in the movie, they really portrayed some things about his faith also, not just being a good athlete. Uh, one interesting thing uh, uh, about him was this, and uh, it kind of made international news back then. He refused to run on the Lord's Day uh, during the Olympics. So they kind of had to uh, adjust his schedule and things because that was his conviction uh, that he would not run on the, uh, on the Lord's Day. Since we're talking about someone who was a runner and also a missionary, I thought it'd be appropriate for us to look at a passage of Scripture found in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 1 through 3. So if you would stand with me in honor of God's Word, and let's, uh, <clears throat> let's focus on these verses, uh, and then we'll go more into uh, uh, Liddell's story and also uh, uh, into this passage of Scripture. Hebrews 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Thank you. You can be seated. If you'll notice in that passage of Scripture, it refers to a race, a race that we're supposed to run ourselves as believers, but because the phrase said, let us run. As I mentioned a moment ago, he ran in literal, physical races, but also in spiritual races as a missionary in, in China. He was born in China on January the 18th, 1902. He had a lot of success <coughs> as a, an athlete, a lot of success as a missionary. He would eventually die at the age of 43 of an inoperable brain tumor while he was in a Japanese prison during World War II. Uh, they are still in China. So I mentioned a minute ago, he was in the 1924 Olympics, a uh, gold medal, uh, a, a lot of accolades around his life, a movie about his life, and uh, they actually portrayed him as a man fully surrendered to God, someone that was fully surrendered to God in, in the movie. The Bible uses the analogy of some athletics several times in alluding to the Christian life. It, it talks about boxing. Uh, Paul used that analogy. He didn't want to be someone that was just aimlessly fighting, like he was, you know, boxing in the in the air, not making any kind of impact or progress. The Bible talks about wrestling uh, as an illustration, also of the Christian life. And then here in the passage that we're looking at this morning, it talks about running a race as a, a picture of the Christian life. By the way, the top race we're talking about. Guys, when we think about the Christian life, it is a long-distance race. It's not a sprint. Uh, you know, it's not just a quick run. Uh, I, I seem like I was wired more for that. You know, I wasn't wired much for, for long-distance runs. I, I was wired more for a sprint uh, back when I was young enough to run, you know, and, uh, and things. Uh, I just look at people now when they run and nod my head, you know, and, uh, and, and everything. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, uh, a lot of people, I'm afraid what happens in their Christian life, they, uh, they view the Christian race almost like as a sprint. You know, well, I trust your Christ my Savior. I know I'm on my way to heaven. They're really fired up, and they're running hard for a little while, and then all of a sudden they tire, and they just kind of fall off to the wayside somewhere. That's not what Christianity is meant to be. Christianity is meant to be a long-distance run. In our terminology today, you might use the word marathon. You know, and think about it being a, a, a long-distance run. Uh, I've never done such a thing as a marathon. Uh, I'll tell that up front. I have gone and seen some of you do marathons before. I've seen online where some of you have done marathons or mud runs and uh, different things like that. But uh, what I want us to do today is, uh, is focus upon this race and think about how we're supposed to be running for Jesus. Every Christian uh, needs to run the Christian life in such a way that we can hear these words one day that's found in, in Matthew 25, verse 23. Well done, good and faithful servant. Wouldn't you like to hear that at the end of your journey? You know, at the end of your life, when, when you're in the presence of the Lord, for him to say, well done, my good and, uh, and faithful servant. So as we look at these three verses today, I, I think we can find three effective strategies for running the race of the Christian life. Three effective strategies for running the, the, the race of the Christian life. Here's strategy number one. Strategy number one is that we need to be encouraged as we run for Christ. You need to be encouraged as you run for Christ. Um, look at what's said there in the first part of verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. 
I want us to think that, about that in, in kind of three different lights or three different ways. First of all, there are others who have faithfully set the example before us. There are the people in past history. In the Bible, these missionaries that we're focusing upon, they set an example before us. The word therefore, you've heard me say that a lot before if you've been around here. Anytime you see therefore in the Bible, you need to look and see why it is there for. What, what is it pointing back to? In this particular instance, it points back to the heroes of the faith in, in Hebrews chapter 11. And as you read the, the heroes of the faith there, they, by, by faith, they endured all kinds of things, torture, you know, suffering, death. Uh, just take time to read that sometime as a prelude to what I'm talking about uh, today. But it points us back to those heroes of the faith. It says, therefore, since, or some translations say seeing, and that phrase in the Greek literally means to, to hold as a possession. So we need to look back at what others have done, and we need to hold that as a possession in our lives and allow that to influence us and impact our lives to where we're willing to run the race for Jesus also. So the therefore is pointing us back, like I said, into Hebrews chapter 11. All those heroes of the faith, they blazed a faithful path before us. They set an example before us. They live their lives by faith, and we can be inspired by their example. We can be encouraged by their example as we run the race for Christ ourselves in our own life. We need to be encouraged to run for Christ ourselves. Eric Liddell has such heroes in his life in an immediate, intimate type fashion, which were his own parents. Um, right after Liddell had uh, died, someone was making a speech uh, about him, an address about his life. And he even raised a question and said, well, what was one of his secrets? And matter of fact, someone else will raise that later. You'll hear that same question that someone else posed. But uh, the, the secret that he pointed to in this part of the address that one of his friends gave was this. He was raised in a good, godly home. He had the influence and the impact of his parents upon his life. His parents had taught him that, they needed to, that he needed to live for Christ. His parents had taught him to seek first the kingdom of God in his righteousness. That was what uh, his friend said one of his secrets was, that one of the examples that he had in his life. Let me stop just for a minute. This isn't what the message is about, but this part of the message is, parents, you need to understand something. You have a great opportunity to influence your child for God or away from God. You've got a great opportunity to impact the life of your child from that early formative age to where they are drawn to Jesus, or maybe they go away from Jesus because of things they see in your life. Not just parents, but us grandparents and all. We, we have opportunities to try and mold those children and try and influence those children to where maybe we can be the examples that encourage them to run the race for Jesus also. Second thing I want you to see in this passage is this. There's a great cloud of witnesses cheering us onward. There's a great cloud of witnesses cheering us onward. It says we're surrounded by so great a cloud <coughs> of witnesses. Uh, a couple of the phrases that are used there, surrounded, means to lay all around. Uh, in other words, if we'll honestly look at, at Christianity, if we'll look at the Bible, if we look at these faithful Christians, all, all around us, we can see examples of people who've ran the race before us. All around us, we can see illustrations that ought to cheer us onward to, uh, to, to run for Jesus. There's a great number, a great vast number of these uh, cloud of witnesses. The word that's used for cloud of witnesses is the same Greek word we get our word martyr from. 
And that's because many of these lost their lives and they, they died uh, standing for the faith that they had in the Lord Jesus Christ. Many people kind of look at this passage of Scripture, these verses, where it says we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and, and they'll picture it like this. They'll picture it like we're down here running, we're down here running a race, and the people in heaven that have gone before us, these heroes of the faith and others, are looking down and they're cheering us on. Now, I, I don't know necessarily that's what taught in this passage of Scripture. Don't go off and start your own denomination and say we're running for the people cheering us in heaven or anything like that. But, but I do think it teaches this. Whether they are actually looking down upon us or not, we can see their lives. We can be encouraged by their example, and their example ought to cheer us on. How they have lived for Jesus, how they served Jesus, how they ran uh, the race for Jesus, that ought to also cheer us on to where we will run the race for Jesus as they run the race. There's a great cloud of witnesses, a great number of witnesses who've made a record. They've set records before us in, in terms of thinking about a race, even dying as martyrs for Christ before us. Guys, partly the reason we need to do series like this from time to time and we need to talk about missionaries and, and other heroes of the faith is that we need to learn to appreciate what they've done. We, we need to know things about their lives. We need to be encouraged by their example and understand what people have paid, what people have gone through, the commitment level that people had in their lives. That's why we need to, to, to study people like this and allow their stories to spur us onward toward serving Jesus. Eric Liddell was once asked if he missed the limelight and the fame that he had as a runner and if he regretted his return to China as a missionary. Listen to his response. Oh, well, remember he's from Scotland. So, oh, well, of course, it's natural for a chap. We don't talk like that in Caldwell County, do we? You know, uh, you'd think someone's talking about chapstick or wearing chaps or something in here. But, uh, oh, well, of course, it's natural for a chap to think over uh, all that sometimes. But I'm glad I'm in the work I'm engaging in now. A fellow's life counts more at this, talking about his missionary work, than the other. Not a corruptible crown, but an incorruptible, you know. He's saying all the other stuff don't matter. You know, the fact that he won the gold medal, that won't matter. That won't last out in eternity. But what he does for Jesus will last. He wasn't interested in fame or fortune. Instead, he was motivated by surrender and obedience to Christ in, in his life. <clears throat> Third thing I want you to see well to be encouraged by is this. Not only are there those that have set an example before us running the, the race in the past, and we need to be encouraged by their example. Not only should we be encouraged by the fact that their examples ought to cheer us on to keep running ourselves, but we, we also ought to be encouraged like this. There are others running with us. There are others who are actually on our team. And by that, I'm talking about people that are running today, uh, guys. I, I think too often we just think of, of the people that ran the race before, and maybe we don't see it sometimes. Maybe you don't recognize how many people are running the race today. Maybe you don't understand what people are, are, are facing today. 
You know, Brandy mentioned earlier, so I hope you'll come next week at the end of the service and be prepared to give a a special offering. But for Zach and Emily, uh, he is there serving uh, in the uh, Far East and and everything. He can't be where he normally would like to be at. Uh, He's having to be in another country right now uh, because of disease and things like that in that part of the world. And he's having to be in another place. That's costing him extra money. But they have made sacrifices and things for them to be there. You see, we don't tend to think about things like that. He's running a race there right now uh, for us. There are other missionaries running a race. We just want to send them a little bit extra love offering to help take care of their expenses as they're having to divert what they're doing uh, right now for a few weeks and, and all. But there are plenty of missionaries across the world that we tend not to think about and focus on a lot of times. We just get focused on, hey, the heroes of the faith. You know, the, these missionaries from the past like we're talking about. But do you recognize there are people running a race now? There are people who are being faithful now, running a race, and we need to celebrate those also. I, I looked down here and I saw a friend of uh, Jared and Sierra's, and she went to the Bridge Church also when, when she was up there. The Bridge Church is, what, maybe seven, eight years old now, and they probably baptized maybe eight or 900 people. Uh, they're on a college campus in the amount of time that they've been there. We all celebrate things like that. We all be encouraged by things like that. God, there, there are people that are running on your team. A lot of times we, we tend to think this, I, well, I'm the Lone Ranger, you know? And we look at the world and our culture and we start thinking, like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm the only one really serving Jesus. I'm the only one doing this. And we look at all the rest of the world. Hey, no, there are people all around us that are still running the race. You may not see it. They may not be bragging about it. To me, they shouldn't be bragging about it. You don't want to know why? They ought to get their reward over there, not here. You know, not from people being impressed by what they're doing here and saying, hey, look at me. They want to get a reward from him. Amen. But we need to be encouraged by that. You guys might not realize this, but you encourage me. You do. I mean, just showing up encourages me. But there are other things that some of you do that encourages me, that I know that you've done, that maybe I see or I find out about, and that encourages me. And guys, I hope in some small way I encourage you. And I hope our staff somehow encourage you to where you run the race because we're on the same team and we need to be running that, that race. We're bound through Christ. That word surrounded means to be bound to. There are other believers that we are attached to. We're bound to through Jesus right now in this building and, and we're running the race together. Amen. Second main strategy I want you to see this morning from this passage of Scripture is this. Strategy number two, lighten your burden to enable the long haul. Lighten your burden to enable the long haul, to enable that marathon race, not a sprint, but that long marathon race. Hebrews chapter 12 The second part of verse 1 says, let us also. That word also is pointing back to the heroes of the faith too. They they had to lay aside some things in order to run the race that they ran. So let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. See, runners, when they're running a race, they don't run it with heavy weights attached to them. I'm not talking about when they're in training. I mean, I've seen runners in training, they might uh, tie a rope to a heavy bag or weight behind them, and they're trying to build up their leg muscles and their endurance, and they're running with that heavy bag. I've seen runners that they would put the, you know, small weighted bag, just strap around your ankles and put the extra weight there to kind of, you know, build up your endurance as you're running. I'm not talking about in training, I'm talking about while you're running the race. You ever seen anyone in the Olympics say, wait a minute before you shoot the gun, I want to put a 50-pound sack on my back before I run. No, they, they don't do that. 
because it would hinder their race. Amen? It would slow them down. It would hinder them running as, as well as they ought to. So I want you to notice three benefits we gain from lightening our burden as far as running from Jesus. Here's benefit number one. You need to run with a clear conscience. You need to run with a clear conscience. You see, if you're running with a clear conscience, say, let us lay aside every weight. If you're running with a clear conscience, you can run better than you can if you're worried, if you're feeling guilt. We're going to talk about sin in a minute. But right now, I want you to think about dropping the baggage, laying aside every weight, dropping the baggage, the emotional baggage, the, the emotional guilt in, in, in your life. You know what a, a trick is Satan loves to do? He loves to remind you of everything you've ever done in your life. He loves to bring that up before your face, even though you're forgiven of it, even though you're not practicing it now. He loves to bring it up and remind you of all the things you did you should never have done. And here's why. If he can get you feeling guilty about that, you're not going to run a straight race. You're not going to keep running a race for Jesus if you're carrying the emotional baggage in in your life. That's why we need to lay aside every weight. To put it away is what the word means. Any and all, anything that hinders you, anything that burns you down, that that hinders you from from running. We need to drop the baggage in our lives because Satan loves for us to pick that baggage up and carry it. Maybe ask yourself some questions like this. What weight am I carrying? What emotional baggage keeps me burdened down? Some people carry stuff for years, guys. They'll keep carrying it. They'll keep carrying it. Even though they're forgiven of it, they'll keep carrying it. And it hinders their Christian walk. It hinders their Christian life. Maybe ask yourself what past sin is there that you can't get out of your mind. You're not doing it right now, but you can't get beyond it. You just keep allowing it to come back up and it's slowing you down in the race that Jesus wants you to run. Maybe you need to ask yourself a question like this. Maybe you need to ask yourself, what hatred am I carrying towards somebody else? What kind of baggage am I carrying towards somebody else because somebody mistreated me years and years ago? I've met people before that carry that kind of junk for years and years and years and years and years, and they're bitter and they won't speak to somebody. Guys, I'm going to be honest with you. That makes me want to question somebody's Christianity. If someone carries something like that, I'll be that bitter and that angry towards somebody for years and years and years and years. Well, if I forgive them, I'm setting them free. No, you're not. You're setting yourself free. That's why you need to drop that, that baggage. Not only do you need to run with a clear conscience, you need to run with a clean life, with a clean life. It says this, and the sin which clings so closely, that, that word for Cling so closely. The word sin means missing the mark in this particular case. We're missing God's mark, God's best, what his will is for our lives. But it clings so closely means it's like it's standing all around. It, it was even used to talk about a competitor. This word in the Greek, this phrase in the Greek was used to talk about a, a competitor trying to hinder or thwart another runner from running in the direction that they needed to run. The root word means all over, standing all around. So it kind of gives this picture. You're trying to run a race for Jesus and everything and everyone under the world is trying to hinder you. And that sin that you allow to creep into your life and attach to your life, is it's all around you. And whenever you try and run for Jesus, it's slowing you down. It's hindering you to where you're not running for Jesus like you really need to be running for him. It gives the idea of a competitor maybe blocking your path. I remember years ago when Jared was running cross country for South Carolina High School. 
And he was at an event over in Morrington. And seeing across country, they leave the field and stuff, and they get out in the woods, and there's not people watching at every stage along the way out in the woods. And you don't know what happens out there in the woods. After Jerry finished that race, he told me this. I was out there running, and this guy from another high school come up beside me, and he'd run up beside me, and he'd throw an elbow into me. As they're out there, you know, he's trying to block Jerry's path and trying to hinder Jerry's path. Eventually, Jerry got on, on by him, but he's trying to block his path. Guys, that's what sin will do to you. Sin will throw elbows at you. So sin will try and hinder your progress. It'll try and keep you from running the race that you need to be running for Jesus if you allow that, that sin to be so attached and cling so closely to you. You see, running a, a clean race on good solid ground you can run a lot better than you can if you're running in the slop in the mud amen too many believers allow themselves to to be caught up running in the slop in the mud of this world i've uh, not ever ran a mud race i've been to see my kids run mud races i've been to see jared run several of them i've seen where some of you on your facebook have gone and and read the, the 12 mile races and things like that in the mud hey more power to you. Jesus told you to do it. Go do it, okay? I'm just fine sitting in a chair watching you do it. But in that type of race, you know what happens? The mud gets attached to their shoes and to their clothes and the lower part of their legs. You know what I've seen most runners do at the end of that race? They throw the shoes away. They, they never ever be able to get them clean. They just leave them in piles over there. And, and, and just leave them laying at the end of the race. Why? Because the mud got so attached to them. Guys, that's what sin will do to us. Sin will attach itself to our lives and slow us down. Instead of us being run on good solid ground, running in a straight direction to Jesus, we'll talk about that more in a minute, we, we get weighted down by sin in our life. And it's hindering us from running the race that we ought to run to, to Jesus. That's why we need to run a, a, a clean race to Jesus. Eric Liddell understood the value of running an unencumbered physical race, but also spiritually for Jesus. He recommended in, in a book of discipleship that he wrote, he only wrote one book on discipleship, and he recommended four tests or questions we ought to ask ourselves often. Here's the four things you ought to ask yourself often. Number one, am I truthful? Am I truthful? Are, are, you, are you telling the truth? Are you truthful in your life? Are you telling the truth? God knows whether you are or not. But do you, are you self-aware of that? Are you truthful in your life? Number two, am I honest? Will someone say, well, that's the same thing. No, you can be dishonest and not have to lie about it. No one know about it unless you get caught. So he said, you need to constantly ask yourself, am I being truthful in my life? Am I being honest in my life? Your business dealings and everything else. Am I pure? And that deals with the sin. Am I pure in my life? Am, am I letting go of sin in my life? Am I pure in my life? And the fourth thing he recommends asking is this, <clears throat> am I selfish? You know why that's important? Because if we're living a selfish life, guess what? <laughs> it'll be easy for us to lie. It'll be easy for us to be dishonest. It'll be easy for us to be impure if we're living a selfish life, doing everything we want to do for ourselves. We don't care what God says or what anybody else says about it if, if we're living a, a selfish life. Liddell also said we need to evaluate these things in our life. We need to evaluate prejudice in our life. Are you prejudiced towards some other human being simply because of the race or anything else? Are you prejudiced? He said we need to evaluate distractions 
And here's a quote for him about distractions. He said, every Christian should live a God-guided life. If you are not guided by God, you will be guided by someone or something else. Can you identify with that? I can at times in my life. If I'm not letting God guide me, guess what? Something else is waiting to guide me and get me off track. He said, we also need to evaluate rebellion in our lives. And here's his quote on rebellion. Surrender means the end of the great rebellion of our wills. Guys, I know it sounds oversimplified. In the G3 discipleship that some of us are going through, some have been through, and we want everyone to go through, it starts out talking about surrender. The first aspect of this discipleship is surrender. The next one is sacrifice. And I want you to think about the logic of that. Some people get to sacrifice. You mean it's going to cost me something to serve Jesus? I'm going to have to sacrifice something in my life? Well, you see, if you got surrender right, there's no question about the sacrifice. If you really surrendered your will to him, if it costs you something, so what? You've already made the choice to surrender your life, and, and that's more or less what he is, is saying here. He, he said we ought to focus on disobedience. We need to look at how we live our lives. Are we obeying or disobeying the Lord? He, he said we need to face, uh, focus on facing persecution with joy. Jesus faced it with joy. We'll see that in this text in a little bit. And if he faced it with joy, we need to evaluate, can I really face bad times with joy? Look at what Jesus did and still being bitter and upset about what's going on in my life. He said we ought to focus on lordship. Lordship simply means this. Another quote from Liddell, to speak of Jesus as Lord means I give him control of my will. Once again, it, it, it sounds like it's oversimplified, but guys, if he's your Lord, he gets to direct your path. Amen? He gets to direct the way you live your life. And then he said unexpected hardships is something we need to focus on. And I love his quote about unexpected hardships. Here's his quote. God is not helpless in the ruins. Amen? Amen? Many times we get in our life where we feel like, man, there's just ruins all around us. Hey, God's not helpless. God's not absent. He can be right there with you in the ruins and help with whatever you're facing. Eric Liddell was called the flying Scotsman, one of the terms that they used for him. Not only did he fly as he ran races, guys, he spiritually flew for Jesus also. Let me tell you a story from his life, a story that a prostitute <coughs> in China once told about him. Uh, <clears throat> that might make you nervous, huh? <laughs> Your life's over with and someone's going to be telling about what a prostitute said. Eric Liddell had put a shelf up in her house for her as he was doing ministry and trying to reach out to people. And here's what she said. He was the first man to do something for me without asking a favor in return. You know what she's saying? She's used to men doing things for her as long as she'd give them sexual favors. And she said Eric Liddell was the first man who had ever done anything for her and not expected something in return sexually. That's the kind of person that Eric Liddell was. We need to run with a clear conscience. We need to run with a clean life, but we also need to run with commitment. We need to run with commitment because look what it says as we keep reading. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. When it says run, it means to have a course. Guys, it's not just any race. 
He has a course for our lives. He has a course for your life. Jesus blazed an example for us. And there's a course that we need to run. We need to run that race with endurance. And that phrase means that we're to run that race with a a cheerful, hopeful endurance. We're to run that race by staying underneath, by willing to undergo, to bear trials, to persevere. Whatever we're facing, we need to keep running instead of of giving up. We, We tend to think of that the opposite. Many times when we have difficulties in our life, you know what we want? God, get this off of me. God, let me get out from underneath this, and we'll do everything we can to try and escape it. Have you ever thought that maybe God hated you there for a reason? Remember the thing that all things work together for good, that those that love God are called according to his purpose? Maybe God had a purpose in you going through that difficulty. Maybe God had a a purpose to, to teach you. He's doing something important and strategic in your life, and we need to run the race with endurance. Instead of trying to get out from underneath it, we need to just keep running, even though it might hurt, even though we're distracted, even though we're going through issues in our life. We, we need to keep running the race that, that is set before us, his race that he's laid before us. It's in view before us as we look at the life of Jesus. Remember running for Christ. In the Christian life, it's a marathon. It's not that short sprint we talked about earlier. That's why we have to run with endurance instead of giving up. <clears throat> I, I told you earlier, I, I was more of a sprinter. And uh, I can't do it now, and you probably laugh me even telling you this, but when I was in high school, I could run the 100 yards in uh, 9.6. And at that time, it's pretty fast. Now they run 100 meters, which is further faster than that. Uh, don't expect me to do it now. Uh, with this congestion, I'd be good to walk 100 yards outside in 10 minutes, probably, uh, you know, this congestion. But, but you see, guys, if we don't run with endurance, it's easy to give up. I can remember when I was running a, a, a 220 relay, and uh, we were running all the way uh, you know, around the track. And then the guy I was running against was setting a pace I wasn't comfortable with. Like I said, I wasn't a long-distance runner. I, he was set a pace where I felt like I need to go a little bit slower or I just need to go all out. And about halfway around the track, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking in my mind, I don't like this. I don't like the pace that he set and everything else. And it had been really easy for me just to kind of cave in. So I did something stupid. I decided to go ahead and kick. You're not supposed to kick that early, but I decided to go ahead and kick. And I wound up beating him. I was half dead when I got to the finish line, but I wound up beating him when, when I got there. But, but guys, it was a mental game you know, in, in my mind. I, I, you know, I wanted to give up. I wanted to give up. And, uh, and everything. I, I went to see Bethany. Uh, of, of all things, Bethany didn't want to do a mud run. It was, it was one for princesses, okay, uh, that they were doing for a special thing. It wasn't like the, the seal mud runs and things that Jared had done. But, I, but I'm sitting there watching. I, I, I went over there to meet her and everything like that and watch her that day. And I'm sitting there watching, and she's the 10th one out of the woods heading toward the finish line. He's a proud daddy sitting over there. I can't believe Bethany's the 10th one. You know, I started crying when I saw she was the 10th one coming out of the woods. But, you know, there's many times in that race she probably wanted to slow down stop. That, that's the way it is in our Christian life. Satan wants to throw so much junk at us that we decide just to give up. Instead of keep running the race, keep looking to him and running the race. Guys, you see, as, as Christians, that means we're to follow Christ. He set a race before us. He ran the race before us. It's his race that we're to run, not our race. It's his race. 
And we ought to consider, we'll talk about this more in just a minute, we ought to consider what he faced. We ought to consider how he ran. We ought to consider what he did. And as we're being discouraged, trying to run the race of the Christian life, we need to remember what he did for us, amen? And be encouraged and keep, keep running. It's not how fast you run, it's how long you run for Jesus. Third strategy I want you to see in this passage of Scripture this morning is this. As you're running the Christian life, the Christian race, you need to stay focused upon who you're running for and how he ran. Stay focused upon who you're running for and how he ran. Verse 2 through 3, looking to Jesus, the founder, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. We need to stay focused upon Jesus and do these three things. Do these three things. First of all, number one, we need to be actively looking to our example, Savior to our example Savior. I put a hyphen there, and I didn't want to just put example because some people get in their mind, oh, Jesus just lived his life as an example, and if we'll follow his example, we can go to heaven. No, you'll never go to heaven by following his example. Yes, he set an example we ought to follow, but he died as our Savior, amen? And the fact that he died as our Savior is the only hope, the only way we, we can go to heaven. We need to be actively looking to him. It says, looking to Jesus. The, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. The, the phrase you're looking at Jesus means we're, we're to consider attentively. We're to take our eyes off from other things, off from things near us in this world, and we're to stare and discern clearly what Jesus did. Why should we do that? Because he's the founder. It means he's the chief leader. If you're going to follow somebody, why not follow the chief leader? Amen? He's the founder. He's the chief leader. He, he's the completer. He's the one that consummated our faith, our trust in him for salvation. You might compute it like this. As we run the race, Jesus is our focal point, guys. You, you might even think of it in these terms. As we run the Christian race, Jesus is the finish line. He's the finish line. You know, I don't want to just walk through gates of gold. I want to see Jesus. You, huh? Amen? Or gates of pearl and streets of gold. I want to see him. He, he's the finish line, and, and I need to keep my attention focused upon him if I'm going to run the race like I need to. And here's why. Just to give you an illustration. <clears throat> if you're running a race, and you take your attention off the finish line, and, and you get maybe, you know, a Christian ADD or something, you know. Oh, wow, look over there. I'm running to Jesus, but all of a sudden, I, look, look, look at this. All right, wow, look over here at that. You know, I'm, I'm supposed to be running to Jesus. I'm supposed to have my eyes on him. You know what happens when you take your eyes off the finish line? You can't run as straight and you can't run as fast because you're looking to the wrong things. And in our Christian life, if we don't keep our attention focused upon him, we're going to get distracted. We're going to get sidetracked. We're going to get off the track from time to time. We won't be running to him as well as we should if we don't keep our attention upon him. We're to look away from other things, take our gaze off the worldly pursuits, and run with our eyes attentively 
fixed or glued upon him. Why? Because he's already ran the race. Amen. He's already won the race. And he set the example before us. Eric Liddell <coughs> in his discipleship book said this, I believe in Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, as, notice these three things, as example, as Lord, and as Savior. We need to view Jesus in those three components also. He did set examples for us as how we ought to respond toward God, the Father, how we ought to respond toward other people, did he not? The way he ministered to people, the words that he said, the way he loved other people, that's an example for us to follow. We ought to look to him as our example. We ought to look to him as our Lord. That means he's our boss, amen, and allow him to direct our paths. But we also need to look to him as our Savior. Because without him being our Savior, nothing else matters. Nothing else works. We have no hope of eternal life unless we look to him as our, as our Savior. Second thing I want you to see in the strategy three about staying focused upon who you're running for and how he ran is this. We need to be joyfully modeling Jesus, our suffering, victorious Savior. Look at the second part of verse two. Who for the joy that was set before him Endured the cross. Do you see that? Does it say for the joy of the good time that he had coming into this world? God, God could have saw fit to allow his son to be brought into this world in a palace and have gold implements and the finest food and everything else. Instead, he was born into a poor carpenter shop. And as he lived his public ministry, he said, I don't even have a home. I don't have any place to lay my head. But guys, not just that, he didn't just endure those things. For joy, he came into the world, and for joy, he endured the cross. We, we need to joyfully model that in our own lives. And, and you might be thinking to yourself, how in the world could he joyfully endure the cross? Here's how, here's why. He saw you. He saw all of you. He saw me. That's why he willingly, joyfully went to the cross because he knew what he was accomplishing. He was accomplishing once and for all God's plan of salvation. That's why he did it joyfully. And guys, the fact that Jesus faced things like that joyfully, we need to model that in our own lives because, yes, he suffered, but he was victorious. He, he endured the cross that was set before him. He, he stayed or remained under. The same word we saw earlier, talking about us enduring as we run, that word is used here for Jesus. He endured the cross. He stayed under the pressure of all that. He could have started feeling the pressure of all of our sin and the pressure of being separated from the Father and Gethsemane. And he could have got up and walked away from it and said, I, I don't think I want this. But he didn't. He was obedient to the Father. He stayed under it, and he endured for us the cross. He despised the shame. He, he, he wasn't worried about the shame of dying on the cross. And now he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You know what that's a picture of? That's a picture of power and authority. Yes, he suffered. Yes, he was put in a grave. Yes, they sealed him in. But yes, on the third day, he took his life back up. And after some days, he ascended 
to the right hand of the Father. He ascended and he's seated there in total power and authority at the right hand of God. You see, if we focus and we realize what Jesus has done for us and we see where he's seated, that tells me he's worth running for. Amen? He's worth focusing upon. He's worth running to. Someone said, well, why, why is he set down? Well, Hebrews 10, verse 11 through 14 gives some information on that. Verse 11, Hebrews 10, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Jesus had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, look what he did. He set down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemy should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That's why he sat down. He's accomplished it all. One time, one sacrifice paid for all the sins of all mankind for all eternity. And that's why he's seated there. And he endured it with joy for us. Third thing we need to do is this. We're talking about staying focused upon who we're running for and how he ran as we run this uh, race of the Christian life. First of all, we need to actively look to him, our example Savior. We need to joyfully model what he modeled, who for joy he, he endured the cross. But thirdly, we need to constantly be remembering. We need to be constantly remembering our enduring Savior, our enduring Savior, the fact that he endured. We need to keep our focus there. We need to constantly remember that. Verse 3, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. The word, the phrase there for consider him who endured is in the imperative tense. You've heard me say this probably multiple times. The imperative tense in the Greek does not mean it's a suggestion. <laughs> It doesn't mean you can consider him if you want to. If you don't feel like considering him, don't do it. Now, what it means is this. God is telling us we are to consider him all the time. We are to stay focused upon him all the time. We are to remember what he has done for us all the time. We're to remember that he faced that hostility from sinners. We need to remember all that he went through. We need to remember how he endured the cross for us. We need to remember how he suffered for us and for our sins in order that we would not faint or grow weary. In other words, that we wouldn't grow so tired and so faint in our spirit is what it's saying, that we reach the point to where we loosen our faith, to where we grow lax in our faith, where we get tired in our faith, where we faint in our faith. The root word even means this. It means to break up, destroy, dissolve, or melt. You ever felt like you were just having a spiritual meltdown? You need to remind yourself what Jesus did for you. We need to remember instead of us giving up and, and being sidetracked and, and, and not running the race that he's called us to, guys, we need to consider him who endured. Consider all that Jesus did for us. We need to remember how he endured the cross for us. And instead of us getting lax or loosening up or having a spiritual meltdown, we need to be encouraged by what he did. And because he did that for us, because he ran the race for us, we ought to run the race for him. Eric Liddell gave up a lot in his life, and he endured a lot of things for Christ. Like I said earlier, he sacrificed fortune and fame. Didn't have to go to China as a missionary, although he did because God called him to it. Just before Pearl Harbor in 1941, 
He sent his wife and children away from China because of World War II taking place and the Japanese coming into China, taking over parts of China. He had plans to join them later, but he'd never, ever see his family again because he winds up being arrested and put in a Japanese prison. But even though he faced all that, he didn't grow weary or faint-hearted. He continued faithfully serving Jesus. A fellow missionary said the place that they were staying was a, a, a place of open cesspools, rats, flies, and disease. He also said without the faithful, cheerful influence of Eric Liddell, many people would not have made it. They wouldn't have survived if he had not encouraged them with his faith. That same fellow missionary raised this question when he was talking later about Liddell. He said, what was Liddell's secret? And here's what he answered. He unreservedly committed his life to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Not just your Savior and your Lord. He's in charge. He's in control. The friendship, that friendship meant everything to him. By the flickering light of a peanut oil lamp, each and every morning, he and a roommate in, in the men's cramped dormitory in that Japanese prison studied the Bible and talked with God for an hour. Eric Liddell's desire was to know God more deeply and as a missionary to make him known more fully. Will you hear that last phrase? That ought to be a mission statement for your life and my life that we would have the desire to know God more deeply. And that as a missionary, because we're all missionaries, whether you view yourself as that or not, we've all been called to be on mission for Christ. And as a missionary, we're called upon to make him known more fully in the lives of other people. That's the type of life that Eric Liddell lived. He died in that Japanese prison camp in China on February the 21st, 1945 anniversary is just a few days ago a few months before the end of world war ii of an inoperable brain tumor before he lapsed into a coma he looked at the nurse whose name was annie that was caring for him and here's the last words out of his mouth annie it is surrender and then god's chariot of fire runner crossed the finish line for the last time. That sounds like a little simple phrase. But if we would just get that in our lives, the Christian life is surrender. The Christian life is surrender to Jesus. It's surrender to his will. It's surrender to his race. It's surrender answering the call that he's placed upon our, our lives. He was buried in China where he had invested his life to reach others. The nation of Scotland mourned. The Glasgow Evening News wrote, Scotland has lost a son who did her proud every hour of his life. I, I think we could add to that and say Eric Liddell, moreover, made Jesus proud. That ought to be the most important thing. Is making Jesus proud. In his only book, The Disciplines of the Christian Life, let me give you a few quotes and we're done. He wrote these words, have a great aim, have a high standard, make Jesus your ideal, be like him in character, be like him in outlook and attitude toward God and man, 
Make him an ideal, not merely to be admired, listen to this, but followed. Don't just admire Jesus, follow Jesus. Eric knew Jesus' example or ideal, however, wasn't enough, and he also added these words. I find I need more than an ideal. I need a Savior to save me from the guilt of sin, to save me from the power of sin. I need a Savior whose grace is sufficient to enable me to live a life of unselfish service and love. Liddell also said this, the stupendous mystery of the cross has now been revealed. The cross must be. No cross, no crown. The cross is where men saw revealed the magnitude of God's love and also the awfulness of their own sin. If you want to see how much God loves you, and if you want to see how terrible your sin is to God, just look at the cross, and you can get a picture of both by looking at the cross. He told a friend of his this, when you speak of me, give the glory to my master, Jesus Christ. He said this, You'll probably wish I didn't read this one. I wish I hadn't read it, but God used it to kind of whittle away at me. Eric Liddell said, we're all missionaries. Wherever we go, we either bring people nearer to Christ or we repel them from Christ. God, does that hurt a little bit? We're all missionaries wherever we go. And by what we do and what we say, we're either attracting people toward Jesus or we're driving them away. Maybe we need to ask ourselves this morning, which are we doing? Are we drawing people to Christ or are we repelling people from Christ? What kind of race are we running? Are you running the right race of this world? Is that all you're interested in running? Or the race that Jesus has called you to run for him? Eric Liddell said, when he, Jesus, left, he committed the church the duty of carrying on his work. The church is his voice in the world, announcing the good news about God, calling men everywhere to repent and inviting them to enter the kingdom. Every individual in the church shares this responsibility. Do you hear that? Not just preachers, not just evangelists, not deacons. Every person who knows Christ as their Savior as this responsibility, we're called to witness. And he said, the question is, are we doing it? Let's pray. Fathers, we, we get ready to do something in our services <coughs> that we call an invitation. I pray it will be that. I pray it will be your invitation. I pray you'll challenge each of us to look at our lives and ask ourselves if we're running a race for you, if we're running the race with endurance, if we're running the race by keeping our eyes focused upon you, if we're considering you as we run, as we live our lives, are we considering you and what you've done for us? Are, are we running the race that you set before us by faith? Do we understand it is all about surrender? And Father, if there's some believers here this morning that thinking about their life being surrendered to you, if they recognize this morning because of maybe where they are, the place they've been in their lives for some time, maybe if they've not been surrendered to you, Father, I pray you call upon their hearts. I pray you call upon all of our hearts 
to, to recognize the importance of surrender to you. Father, especially someone here that may not know Christ as Savior, help them to understand that Jesus came more than just to be an example, more than just to be a good teacher, more than to be a, a, a rabbi. Uh, he, he came to be a Savior. He died on the cross for our sins, and our only hope is Jesus. And Father, there's someone here today that has never trusted Christ. Give them the faith they need to trust in Him. Father, help us to drop the emotional baggage. Father, help us to turn loose a sin that may be attaching itself to our lives so we can run the race you'd have us to run. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Pastor Lynn has given us a lot to consider today. It can be very difficult to keep our focus when circumstances are hard. I'm thankful that in those times, God remains faithful. Maybe you would like to talk to someone about how you can impact your world for Christ in a greater way. Maybe you would like to know more about what it means to follow Jesus. Would you please contact us? You can reach out to us through our website, day3church.org, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. We care about you, and we want to connect with you. We're here to help. Until next time, this is Pastor John reminding you that God is greater than your circumstance, and His mercies are new every morning. It's time to experience a new day in your life.